Welcome to your number one source for technological innovations, ideas, and strategies for your business. Multiply your business's equations and put the odds in your favor. Now, live from Club ITHQ with your hosts, Ben and Sam, this is Tech Factor. All right, welcome everyone. I'm Ben. And I'm Sam. And this is The, the Tech, Tech Factor. Factor. There we go. I think we can do that in sync now. We've, you know, we've got this nice. set up. All right, so we are at episode uh, 13 of The Tech Factor. Today we're going to be talking about, oh, by the way, this is a podcast and it is about uh, business and technology. So it's about maximizing productivity in your business, utilizing technology. And today we're going to be talking about uh, aged care platforms and aged care software in general. We're going to basically... Uh, answer a range of questions that Google has asked, uh, which some seem to don't make sense, but we'll make sense of them and uh, we'll provide some interesting insight as we always do. So let's start off. So I guess the, the first question we have here is basically what are aged care platforms and, and I guess why invest in them? So how about we just start off as a general thing to that, Sam, and let's See what you have any other thoughts on that one. Yeah, so I suppose there's multiple different types of platforms you can have and and there's probably off the top of my head, I can probably name about six of them and generally they're going to be about patient information and medication and just pretty much tracking patients and residents and stuff in aged care and it's just a pretty much essential piece of platform, bit of software that you're going to need to run an aged care facility in any kind of proper manner at this point. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I mean, that's the thing, right? I, I don't. I'm not aware of any aged care facility that doesn't utilize some kind of aged care platform. So, uh, in terms of why invest in all, I mean, the reality of it is that you have to. Uh, the in terms of investing in, I guess, in the upper end, and again, really serious about investing in aged care platforms. There are a range of different platforms that offer a whole bunch of different functionality, and you know we talk we can talk about Autumn Care and Lee Care and, and Telstra Health, you know, IK Health Solutions and those bits and pieces. There's a range of different solutions, but um, in terms of really where the, the benefits come out of it, obviously uh, as part of the aged care standards, you really need to have a whole range of different reports, and you need to have a range of systems and policies and stuff in place. And and frankly, the only way to do that is with a piece of aged care software. But then also uh, on the income side, there's this thing called ACFI uh, in aged care, and uh, it's uh, obviously a, a large part of the aged care funding model. And if you want to optimize uh, ACFI, you're going to need to have some kind of uh, software in place. So again, this is where these types of platforms come into play, and it's uh, why they're so important. They're, they're fundamentally important to the operation of an aged care facility, the security of an aged care facility managing uh, patient information, auditing and making sure that you can uh, reach the uh, the aged care standards that are appropriate in the federal government model. So they're extremely necessary. Uh, they're extremely important to having a, a well-run facility. And so why would you invest in them? Well, you don't really have a choice in the, in the modern environment. You must invest in in some kind of aged care platform and uh, you need to implement it as best as you possibly can. And a lot of that does come down to training. Uh, and also making sure that you fully understand the software that you've got in place and uh, maximizing all of its capabilities. So one of the questions that we have here is how do you in improve uh, patient data security with your aged care platform? So, Sam, uh, I guess there's some pretty basic things you can do well, in terms of where, where, do you, where do you start? 
obviously user credentials and making sure that only certain people have that certain access that they require to do their job and no more. You know, the, the least amount of access someone can have, the, the stronger security is. Obviously, making sure passwords are kept safe and secure, making sure you adhere to all sorts of different password things and making sure that you have the right amount of characters and they're complex enough and not shared and definitely not stuck on a sticky note on yes. the front of your monitor. Please do not do that. Um, also, I know some platforms don't support it yet, even though they should, but uh, as we've said before, two-factor everything. So two-factor authentication is definitely going to be something to just add that extra level of protection uh, to your data and make sure that it is as safe as possible. Yeah, if you can't do two-factor, then you, you're just going to make sure you lock the uh, system down so it's only accessible internally. So you're just going to make sure that you mitigate against any external access. And there are a lot of platforms. All these platforms are inherently designed as internal platforms, so they're not necessarily designed with two-factor in mind. But as we start to get more and more cloud-based, two-factor will become a, a more of a standard thing. But I, I think going back to uh, what... What Sam basically uh, had mentioned, it's also part of the, um, the ISO 27001 standard, but it's, it's role-based access. So you've got to understand the roles in your organization and then going, okay, well, let's work out, okay, if you're in this role, what type of access do you need to the platform? And making sure that you're actually, you know, your, your security needs to be configured in collaboration with your IT. It's not just an IT problem. You just don't go, okay, UIT guys, you make your aged care platform, you make, you make it secure for us because they won't really, they'll have some idea and they'll be able to put in some basic practices like complex passwords and all the things we've discussed, but it really is an organization thing and making sure that as an organization, you understand what the roles are in the business and how that would then affect the aged care platform, I think is, is really critical. It's super important. So you need to really have uh, your managers involved in the process as well to understand what the roles are, to go through a bit of a matrix and go, okay, if you're in this role, you should have access to this platform. And and then obviously, you know, following through on that, so if everyone's got role-based access, they've got complex passwords, they're not sticking their passwords on a sticky note. The only other thing there is then to make sure that uh, you regularly audit and review your users. So making sure that, again, if someone leaves the organization or someone starts the organization, or if they change roles. So, if, again, it's really important if someone changes roles that you actually identify that, you pick it up and change the permissions appropriately. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And it's, it's definitely that going through the process, especially in an um, industry such as aged care, which does have a high rate of turnover, staff turnover, it's um, extremely important to have a someone in management role who is at least, I would almost say, going through users uh, and doing an audit almost weekly and just making sure that everyone is what, where they're supposed to be. If someone has changed roles, make sure it's correct. If someone does leave, make sure their credentials are suspended or even removed um, and just keeping it as secure to make sure nobody who shouldn't access it can access it. Yeah. And depending on the platform, will also depend upon some of the specific things you may do in terms of uh, the actual security. But broadly speaking, I think they're the, the general best practices. Again, just limit the access to where it needs only access. Again, if it's only being accessed internally, there's no reason for it to be uh, enabled or accessible externally, so make sure that doesn't occur. And there's just, again, going back through your role-based access and making sure people are only using it for what they should use it for. 
And then I, I feel like obviously a, a regular audit process is is really important just to pick up anything else that may uh, look a bit unusual. So, and look, and most of the platforms will have reporting functionality, which will show when people have logged in, logged out, and what they're doing, and, and basically it will help you identify any other issues that may may occur from the platform. So, I think that's that's a really good summary of that. Uh, the next question we have is uh, how to choose uh, aged care software or an aged care platform. So. Geez, that's a that's a long question, and it's no it's no direct and simple answer to that. But I I feel like uh, understanding, I guess, you know, you you want to you want to understand from a user point of view. Firstly, you want to get a feel for for your users and maybe what what previous experiences they may have. Maybe some of the gaps in your business. So if you look at it and go, well, look, we're really struggling with X Y Z, then to maybe look for platforms specifically that can address those those gaps. So again. We talked about this in one of our previous episodes of the Tech Factor. We talked about doing gap analysis and you know, doing staff interviews and going through that process and making sure you're addressing exactly what you need to address and not necessarily going through a specification, but going through an iterative process with your users and understanding uh, really from a user perspective and, and how they're going to use it on a daily basis to make sure that lines up with what you're trying to achieve. So. If you do, if you're specifically interested in that, I, I feel like definitely check out our previous podcast about that. But I, I would say, broadly speaking, uh, in terms of the uh, again the best way to choose an aged care platform, it's really about doing that gap analysis, talking to your users, doing you know staff interviews, um, understanding you know really the outcomes that you are after, and that that comes down to that analysis initially, doing your research up front. There is a, there will be an element um, of budget. Frankly, and also there'll be an element of whether you're a multi-site, whether you've got multiple sites you need to manage in your aged care uh, platform or your aged care facility. So those factors will come into play. Some software uh, has uh, particular platforms in aged care will be better at doing multiple sites, and uh, some, to be frank, will be uh, you know much cheaper on the budget. You've got some beautifully certainly have some low-end aged care platforms that will be uh, more affordable than others. So again, there will be a budget consideration there, but I feel like if you buy a really good platform and you use it properly, you're going to get your return on investment anyway. So I feel like that's all relative uh, in that regard. But is there anything else you add, Sam? Yeah, I suppose the only other thing you can think of, I can think of, is that there's um, potentially physical computing requirements too for each platform, and just looking at w- whether you might need. Um, and upgrading your IT systems to run a particular platform um, it, at its full capacity, and that's probably about it. You've covered the most of that there, Ben. Oh, thank you. Uh, I think you're right as well. So making sure you understand what the capital expenditure may be up front for that particular platform and not just about what the provider may say, but then also looking at your own systems and what you've got in place and go, okay, well, what do we need to do to run this platform optimally? It really is important as well. When you look at aged care platforms, I just want to really stress this as well, make sure that there's a, a significant training component in the initial implementation design of the platform that you know if you want to make it a success you need to make sure that the training's right there and it needs to be there in six months time as well and maybe even 12 months time so making sure you've got significant training program in place to maximize the benefits of the platform because it doesn't matter what type of platform you've got this applies to all the platforms but it, you know if you have you know poor data input you're going to get poor data output so Making sure that you've got the training in place is probably one of the most important aspects when it comes to implementation of aged care software because if you don't do that, 
you know, you're going to have, you're going to really struggle with ma- maximizing and making full use of your platform. So I can't and, stress that enough. And I think we've actually spoken about it before, but having a, a staff member as a champion, whether that is a member of your management or a senior staff member, but having someone to champion the software and the platform that others can turn to for support or um, for concerns, then that is also really quite handy to have. Um, rather than you might have people coming up to your senior management who might be dealing with other issues. Exactly. So the next question we have, a bit funnily worded, so what have have we learned from healthcare data breaches? I I feel like, you know, certainly some of the major data breaches that I've heard of have been over in the UK and and places overseas. There have been some, um, I mean, obviously it does occur in Australia, but certainly I'm, I'm not... Specifically aware of, uh, I mean, certainly aware of many uh, IT failures in some of the, the large national level uh, aged care providers, but I certainly aren't aware of specific data breaches in relation to aged care. But healthcare more broadly, I think it's fair to say making sure that, again, this goes back to the cybersecurity essentials eight in terms of um, patch management, making sure you've got computers that are you know not running Windows XP. It's been discontinued for a very long time and I feel like that's where a lot of, when I think about some of the overseas data breaches that have occurred, a lot of it has just been they just had really old systems. They just haven't uh, invested in their IT and they've had systems that have got clear vulnerabilities. And again, the, the base, the Cybersecurity Essentials 8 standard does talk talk to a lot about that, making sure that you can, essentially your systems aren't vulnerable to, to well-known security vulnerabilities. So Again, your regular patch, you're making sure your systems are up to date, all your antivirus, all those bits and pieces that you would normally do, firewall protections, so on and so forth. I mean, your backups, obviously. But backups aren't, aren't really relevant in relation to data breaches. So really, I feel like what it comes down to is, again, making sure that it's, it's all the basics that we talk about all the time, right? So it's about this complex passwords, it's about multi-factor authentication where you can. Uh, it's about making sure that, again, you have the correct uh, in terms of external access and how you manage that with your firewalls and limiting external access as much as possible. And then going back to the the patches and vulnerabilities and making sure your systems are up to date. I mean, it's crucially important. I feel like there's, they're really basic things, but I, I feel like, you know, when we talk about data breaches, a lot of that is, is, is really, it comes down to that. The other aspect, which we haven't really touched on, is, is the human aspect. So the human aspect is basically the fact is that, Ultimately, humans will do stupid things, and you need to try and mitigate against that as much as you possibly can. So, so that really, again, to mitigate against data breaches from a, um, a human point of view, that really comes down to your cybersecurity training, and again, coming down to some of those those basic uh, training aspects, but also making sure that uh, again, people are because what, what one of the common things with um, data breaches is, and what you what you will find where there has been a data breach and uh, specifically a breach of credentials, it could worry well have been, for example, someone who, uh, let's say they have their, because um, you're only as, as good as your weakest link. And let's say I'm a, an aged care worker and I'm using the same password for my Facebook or my same password for my LinkedIn as I'm using for some particular aged care platform. All that, ha- all that it takes is for my credentials to be compromised somehow, whether that be my computer at home or something gets compromised in the dark web or there's, there's a data breach on another website somewhere else that I've used the same password on or a variation of the same password. And then essentially what you've done indirectly is you've exposed the your aged care facility. So it's something that you've got to be conscious of and you've got to make sure that uh, as a 
good rule of thumb that you should not, under any circumstances, use the same passwords for work as what you would do for uh, personal, and there should be significant variations in those passwords to mitigate against that type of risk. So I feel like they're probably the key things that stand out to me. I'm not sure, Sam, if you've got other things. In yeah, mind. yeah, I'm just reading here, Ben, that we had um, generally aged care where luckily hasn't been too much of a target for cybercrime, um, in Australia at least, as, as Ben was saying. We, most of it was seen basically in Europe and the UK. But uh, late last week, the Australian Cyber Security Centre um, sent out a bit of a newsletter of such to a lot of aged care providers saying that there has been a major aged care provider has recently suffered a ransomware attack with a partially successful attempt to encrypt and steal confidential data in order to seek ransom payment. So the provider has proactively responded and secured their data, but it is possible that some data may have been published to the dark web. So I don't think that aged care is safe in Australia and I think it is extremely important um, to go through a lot of those basic tasks in cybersecurity as Ben was just discussing. Um, some of the things that the Australian Cybersecurity Centre have said is basically never pay a ransom if you get attacked because it does open you up to um, to more attacks. So it, it does mean they show the attackers that, okay, well, they're going to pay it. So we can just ask for more money and say you've got to pay this as well. And in reality, there is no guarantee that paying the ransom will fix all your devices and they can still post your data on the dark web regardless. So um, I think that's a big one they're trying to push is just contact the um, Department of Health or the Australian securities team or just about anyone, even police, if you do come across it. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, this, this the last question we had on aged care software was how to keep your patient data safe from data breaches, and really this is just, we're talking about it right now, right? So uh, I, I feel like, again, it, it does come down to, and it's actually, you're right, so the Australian Cybersecurity Centre has actually done a, a press release uh, this week discussing that and basically saying to aged care providers, you've got to have a serious look at your cybersecurity is a major issue, and there has been one provider, they haven't named the provider, but has had a data breach in, it must be in the last week. Uh, so they do believe that aged care uh, providers will be a target and will continue to be a target. And I feel like it's certainly one of those things where there's just so much going on in aged care right now, just so much going on with COVID and, and everything. So I feel like probably and there's, there's a lot of work, there's more and more work from home occurring now as well. And that's where probably a lot of this, um, obviously, attack vector, attack surface has drastically increased. So if you've got more aged care uh, you know, admin staff, for example, that are working from home, that's just going to create other potential problems for people to access that software and, and gain access to that data. So what I would certainly recommend is uh, whatever you do uh, with your own internal auditing program, make sure you've got your cybersecurity as part of your internal audit uh, and as part of continuous improvement. Like you've got to make sure you've got a recurring budget for cybersecurity specifically. And you probably want to get some consultants in to go through and, and have a good look at it and uh, make sure that you are ticking all the, the boxes. There are a range of different standards and a range of different things that you can you can do, and we've discussed some of those uh, already this morning. But, uh, I've, again, the, probably the first starting point would be maybe get a consultant in just to uh, get some initial advice, 
people like Club IT, of course, can help you out with that. And uh, one through hundred, seven double eight 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 seven four. But uh, shameless plug. <laughs> um, I've got a little button for that, didn't I? Was, was it one of these ones? I don't know what that one does. Uh, I'm just doing it. That's all right. We'll. Uh, I'm going to play with this soundboard a little bit more, and uh, we'll figure out the uh, the right sound for that. But. Anyway, so uh, I feel that that really covers off of the data breaches there. But again, it really comes down to going through, checking off all the essential standards. Uh, as Sam said, um, you know, you obviously don't want to be paying ransoms. Uh, but, well, and again, this is one of the things, right? So we're seeing the big change in cybersecurity is that we've gone from traditionally like crypto locker things where basically the recovery strategy was, oh, it's okay, we've got backups. As long as we've got working backups, we're fine. We're now moving on to seeing things like the maze ransomware, which will not necessarily just encrypt the data, but it'll actually take it off site. And the ransom will be essentially, if you do not give us uh, a ransom, we will publish your information to the dark web, which effectively makes uh, one of the aspects of the cybersecurity standard, which is uh, you know, regular backups, that makes it redundant in this particular instance. So again, when we're talking about data breaches, Essentially, I feel like anything external, it's, you've got to have either two-factor or you've got to limit it altogether. And internal access, again, really comes down to that role-based access that we've discussed earlier and making sure you're regularly ordering your users. Because, again, Azure does have high staff turnover and making sure that uh, the roles are relevant and that users are, that are active are active and users that are inactive are appropriately removed. I feel like that's really uh, the most that you can specifically uh, you can do. But again, if you're not sure, and there's going to be there's going to be specific circumstances for specific software, so you really do need to get a consultant involved to go through some of that in detail to get a really good understanding of, of really where those gaps might be. Uh, but again, the the basics still always apply no matter what, you know. So uh, I feel like uh, I've covered everything i can possibly think of sam what, what, what have you got that yeah i'm pretty sure that that's pretty much what we've gone through everything um all those questions that we've got in the list there but so that's yeah well that's google then so google's uh, given us those uh questions thank you very much google some of them sometimes don't make sense but i guess that's the way google works people type in all kinds of weird and wonderful things we're gonna have to um we'll have to do an episode where we just find the weirdest questions yeah, i'm sure it would be hard <laughs> In, uh, in like, you know, cybersecurity, IT, business, on that. Like just, just find the most weirdest questions that Google possibly has and we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll try to answer them in the least logical way possible. That might be a bit of fun. I mean, have a not-so-serious episode or something at some point. <laughs> right oh well, that's, uh, that's HK Software. All your questions answered from Google. I'm Ben. And I'm Sam. And we will see you guys next time.